salvation that comes through you, you alone. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we are so thankful. Now as we look at your word and as we've sung your word, may it just sink deep into our hearts more. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, that was a beautiful, beautiful group of music. So thank you, Jessica and team and Derek out. We really, really appreciate that. Give me a hand. It, it's worthy to do that. All right. So we've been in this sermon series, Do You Know Me? Looking at uh, little-known characters, Bible friends in the Word of God. And thank you for going along this journey with me. I guess you don't have any choice when I'm preaching, huh? So <laughs> here we go, right? So we've been looking at, we looked at Epaphras, who talked about prayer, always wrestling in prayer for you. That you would be firm, you would be fully assured, you'd be mature, and always standing firm in the faith. I pray you're doing that and growing in your prayer life this summertime. We looked at Jethro, this wise man, and Naaman's wife's maid, who is a wise young lady, and all she did to be able to help out and to say to Naaman, Naaman, just do it, just do what Elisha says, okay? It'll work. You just follow what he says. God's got his hand on him, and he was healed. We looked at Jabez, we looked at we looked at Shifra and Pua, uh, who I didn't put on your outline. I recognized that as going through, looking at my sermon on Friday and Saturday. It's like, oh, I forgot Shifra and Pua. And you're going, who are they? Well, you need to look at a, you know Exodus to find out about them, right, if you don't know who they are. And uh, the handmaidens that uh, saved lives, and uh, we're grateful for that. So as we go through, we gave the prayer of Jabez. We've had this 30-day prayer to pray this prayer that's been the founder um, book of Jabez. And came across a picture that Jessica sent to me of her daughter. Here they were. They were in a Christian used, a used bookstore, a Christian bookstore, up in Carl Springs, and she found two copies of the prayer of Jabez, the prayer of Jabez for kids and the prayer of Jabez for teenagers. And there she is holding him, and then there's the book that Bruce Wilkinson wrote. So I appreciated Jessica sending that picture and Clara and looking at and how exciting that is. I, I don't know if they purchased them or not, but uh, we've gone through that prayer and I want to help you get that prayer in today, all right? Because I don't know if you prayed it yet. I've been over it today, but I want to encourage you, and then, then you'll get check one thing off your list today. I've already prayed the prayer of Jabez, so here we go. It'll be on the screen. Join me if you would. Here we go. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted his request. And may God do that for you today and for me today. May he bless us. May he enlarge our border to people, our influence with people, and not our physical border, but our own influence into people's lives that they might see Christ in us and might turn to Christ because they've seen Christ in us. May he do that for you today. May he grant that request for you and for me today. So think about it through the day. Keep praying that each day. Share with me. What God's doing as you work through it, and you see God doing those things. I don't think I got any this week. If I did, I missed it, and I apologize. But 
share with me how God is answering that prayer, granting that request for you. Today we're going to look at Baruch in Jeremiah chapter 36. So if you want to get your tablet, your phone, your Bible, uh, whatever you've got to be able to follow along. Um, you can pronounce his name different ways. I'm going to read a number of names as we go through Jeremiah 36. I went back over them today to make sure I could pronounce them, and I found out I couldn't pronounce about half of them. So, so if anybody wants to stand up here and help me and read them, you're welcome to come right up here, all right? When we read this, we go on Thursday morning at our men's uh, little group. Um, we uh, talk about the sermon coming up, and as we read the passage, sometimes we just go, and that person, <laughs> and that person. Uh, whatever his name is, okay, we just try to do our best we can with it, but uh, number. But in the Bible, there are three Baruchs, and uh, one is found, well, two of them are found in the book of Nehemiah. I'll just give you the information about them. Uh, one is in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 20, and it says of him that he was one who helped to repair the wall when they came back from the Babylonian captivity, 516. Babylon captivity from 586 to 516 B.C. When they came back from Babylon, they had to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem because Nebuchadnezzar had come over and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the walls, just taken out of the temple, taken down the temple, and they had to rebuild those walls. And Baruch is one of those guys that's on the wall, and he's helping to rebuild the wall. He also is mentioned in chapter 10, verse 6, when they, Nehemiah has a covenant that he calls the people to as they come back to the land. He calls them into a covenant, and Baruch is one of the people who affirms that covenant. This is what I'll do, and I will be a part of what God wants us to do here in Jerusalem. There's another Baruch, and he's mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 5, and basically all it says about him is he's a part of the family of Perez. That's all the information we have. But the one that we're going to concentrate on here is in Jeremiah chapter 36. He's in a few other spots in Jeremiah, but we're going to concentrate on, on this chapter because it's so significant. He is the scribe. He's the secretary. He's the one who writes down Jeremiah's prophecies. And he has that opportunity to be able to do that. And he, um, dic Jeremiah dic dictates to him what God is saying to him, and he writes it down for him. Now, as you probably know, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Well, a couple of reasons for that. The first is this, is that he had extreme hardships that he had to live out being the Lord's prophet. I mean, you read the book of Jeremiah, and, and listen, I, do, I, I would not want to be Jeremiah. I mean, the hard things that he had to go through. He had to lay on his side for 365 days. And then he had to lay on his other side for 365 days to give a picture of what God was doing in the lives of his people. He had to take things and hide them in the ground as a picture of it's going to be hidden, you're going to be out of here, but you're going to come back. I mean, it was just crazy what God asked him to do to picture what was happening in Judah at that time, but also about what God was going to do. He had extreme hardships that he had to live under that God called him to do. But secondly, he wrote the book of Lamentations. As he laments that Israel, Judah, was called and had to go into captivity for their sin. We know in the midst of Lamentations is that great verse about great is thy faithfulness, right? The Lord's compassions never fail. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. In the middle of all that, in the middle of the lament, here he is, just weeping about God and all that has taken place and the destruction that's taken place in Jerusalem and having to be in captivity for all these years. In the 
midst of all that, the weeping prophet says, Great is thy faithfulness. We need you. Your mercies are new every morning. Baruch itself, the name itself, means blessed one. Or extended out, as his name would be in the Hebrew, it could mean blessed by Yahweh, blessed by the Lord, blessed by God Almighty. But he has this beautiful, beautiful name that means that his blessing. It's been written, some of the commentators say that he might have been a part of a family of means, a prominent family. He was certainly educated, they believe, obviously serving as he did as a secretary for Jeremiah. He was entrusted with putting down Jeremiah's words for us, for the future. And we could surmise that as he put these things down, he was a detail-oriented person and performance-motivated, one author said, able to get a lot of work done and to get it done correctly. Now, as we know here, as this chapter right here, Jeremiah cannot go to the temple. He's in, he's in prison, or he, he's not in prison yet, but he could, could have been. We're not exactly sure. Jeremiah's a little bit hard book to put together chronologically. Um, but the fact is he couldn't go to the temple. Uh, whatever reason, maybe there was ceremonial uncleanness, maybe he was in prison, he couldn't go. But he couldn't go to the temple, and so he gets these words out, and he wants Baruch to give them to the people at the temple. So, let's look at chapter 36, and please excuse any mispronunciations that I have. Chapter 36, God's Word in Jeremiah. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jerusalem, or to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll, write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah, and all the nations, from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah, until today. It may be that the house, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them, so that everyone may turn from his evil way, and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah ordered Baruch, saying, I'm banned from going to the house of the Lord, so you are to go. And on the day of fasting and the hearing of all the people in the Lord's house, you shall read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the men of Judah who come out of the city. It may be that their plea for mercy will come before the Lord, and that everyone will turn from his evil way, for great is the anger and wrath that the Lord has pronounced against his people. And Baruch, the son of Neriah, did all that Jeremiah the prophet ordered him from about reading from the scroll the words of the Lord in the house, the Lord's house. In the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Then in the hearing of all the people, Baruch read the words of Jeremiah from the scroll. In the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the secretary, which is in the upper court at the entry of the new gate to the Lord's house. When Micaiah, the son of Jeremiah, son of Shaphan, see, I can't even pronounce it right two times in a row, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to the king's house into the secretary's chamber, and all the officials were sitting there, all these people. <laughs> Elishama, he's a cousin of Elisha here, the secretary, Delela, the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan, the son of Akbor, Gamariah, the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the officials. And Micaiah, 
told them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the scroll in the hearing of the people. Then all the officials sent Jehudai, the son of Nathanai, son of Shemueliai, son of Cushi, to say to Baruch, Take in your hand the scroll that you read in the hearing of the people, and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand, and he came to them. And they said to him, Sit down and read it. So Baruch read it to them. And they heard all the words. They turned one to another in fear. And they said to Baruch, We must report all these words to the king. Then they asked Baruch, Tell us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it as a dictation? Baruch answered them, He dictated all these words to me while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. Then the official said to Baruch, Go and hide, you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. So they went into the court to the king, having put the scroll in the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and they reported all the words to the king. Then the king sent Jehudai to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary. And Jehudai had read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. As Jehudai read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Even when Elnathan and Delilah and Gamaria urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeramel, the king's son, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shalamiah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch the secretary and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord hid them. Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words that Baruch wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Take another scroll and write on all the former words that were in the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, has burned. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, Thus says the Lord, You have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land, and will cut off from it, from it man and beast? Therefore thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, He shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat by day, and the frost by night. And I will punish him, and his offspring, and his servants for their iniquity. I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the people of Judah all the disaster that I pronounced against them, but they would not hear. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire, and many similar words were added to them. time you get dirty <laughs> all right lots of different ways you can go you know that and other pastors have been out here and preach you've taught lots of different ways to go but this is what the lord brought to me this week thinking about the word of god not so much about baruch i mean i'm going to talk about it but but the word of god as it's presented here and put together first thought that came to me was the word of god is to be heard and read now think about it you've got this progression the Lord says to Jeremiah, write down my words. These are my words. This is what I want you to communicate to the people that are here. These words are going to go to the people of Israel. These words are going to go to the people of Judah. Israel is the northern kingdom. 
Judas, the southern kingdom. Okay? They divided after Solomon. So you have those two kings. All those people, these are the words that I want to give to you. And he's going to get, communicate the things that God has told him from Josiah, the reign of Josiah, to today, which as I recall, it's about like eight years or something like that, that God has been speaking to him, giving him these words and these prophecies. So he's got all these things that God has brought to him, and God's given them to him, and he wants them to be delivered and to be given out. So what does Jeremiah do? Jeremiah calls his secretary, his scribe, his assistant, and he says, I want you to take these words that the Lord has given to me, and I want you to write them down. Okay? We want to, these, want, these are really, really important. These are very, very valuable. So Jeremiah dictates the word of God, what God wants, his words, to Baruch. Now, this is the only case that we know of this, of this dictation that takes place in Scripture. It's very, very unique right here. Well, you can't say very unique because unique really means unique. <laughs> One and only, right? You can't say rarely unique because that's not the way it is. It's unique and what God has done here, how he put this together for us. So what does Baruch do? Baruch takes the word of God and then he takes it to the people. He calls them together, says we're going to have a day. It's there in, in um, verse 15, 9. He proclaims, they come, they come to Judah. From Judah, the families come to Jerusalem. They proclaim to fast before the Lord. And in the hearing of all the people, he reads the word of God to them, the, Lord, the words of the Lord to them, so that they know exactly what Jeremiah is communicating through Baruch. Now the people know that before them. Then we go on. The fourth way it's communicated, Micaiah takes what he heard, and he takes it to the officials. He hears the message, and he passes it on to the, to the people and to the officials. Now, I missed one. Going through reading this passage this morning to make sure I could pronounce all the names, I realized I missed one. I missed one trans, transportation of the word to the people, and that's Baruch takes the word to the officials. So I missed that up there. Micaiah goes to the official, but Baruch also takes the, the word to the officials when he goes in verse 15. They said, sit down and read it, as Baruch is taken. Micaiah hears it. He passes it on. He says, we need to have Baruch read it to the officials. So Baruch comes, and he reads it. So I apologize for missing one of those, but that's a good reason why I read it again this morning, because God showed me. I missed one. And then what happens? Jehudai takes it to the king, Jehoiakim. All of these people hear the God's word. The words of the Lord. It's amazing what takes place. The Lord to Jeremiah, Jeremiah to Baruch. Baruch takes it to the people. Micaiah takes it to the officials. And Baruch takes it to the officials too. And then Jehudai takes it to Jehoiakim. That's six ways. That's six groups of people that have impact, been impacted by the word of the Lord. Hang on here just a second. got to get my papers in order. The Lord's message is this. It's found in verse 3. This is the message. The main message has been communicated through all that Jeremiah has these prophecies he's heard. It says here, verse 3. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them, so that everyone may turn from their evil way, and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. 
He's been speaking to them through the prophets for years. Turn from their evil, turn from your evil way. Turn from your sin. Repent. Turn away from it and turn to me. I, I'm calling you to this. I want you to do this. I plead with you to do this. And they kept saying, What? How do we say it in Spanish? No. <laughs> How do we say it in English? No. They kept saying this. We're not going to do it. They didn't just say it. They said it by their actions, too. We're not going to turn. I mean, they had their moments, of course. But as a country and as a leadership, they kept saying, no, we, we won't turn from our evil way. And God now is, is really, 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 not that he hasn't been serious before. He's really getting serious now. The time is coming that if you don't do this, this is what I'm going to do. And what he said to them through Jeremiah was, the Babylonians are going to come. And they're going to take over your city. And they're going to take you away. And Jeremiah said, there'll be a 70-year captivity that we will be involved in. Now the people are going, eh, you know, sure. That's not going to happen. God said, mark my word. Mark my word. This will happen. Unless... You do what? You repent, and you turn from your evil way. And what will, I, what will I do if you do that? I'll forgive your sin. I'll take care of you. He says, there, there's an out here that will make sense. It's going to be really, really good for you if you turn from your wicked way, your evil way, and turn to me. I'll forgive your sin. I'll be with you. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. This is what I'm calling you to do. That's Jeremiah's message all through the book of Jeremiah. All the chapters that are there. Turn from your sin and turn to the Lord. Now as I think about this, there's a lot there, but as I think about all the people that heard the word of the Lord, I'm thinking of myself and I'm thinking of you. It's important that we would hear and read the words of God daily. All those people got to hear the word of God, the, the Lord's words to them difficult words in some ways, but still, they got to hear the word of the Lord. Just, uh, gotta find it here. Just Friday night, I'm reading my Today in the Word. Today in the Word for Moody Bible Institute, where I did my undergrad work. The gift of God's word. Every devotional, every day is about the word of God. Thank you, Lord. You made that really easy. Here's what I read on, on um, Friday. The, the title of it is Study God's Word. Thank you, Lord. A recent survey reported that 26 million Americans mostly or completely stopped reading the Bible during COVID. 26 million Christians mostly or completely stopped reading the Bible during COVID. Now, this is a quote. Currently, only 10% of Americans report daily Bible reading. Yeah, ow, that ought, it should move you. Only 10% of God's people read the Word of God daily. I think it might be higher here. But a survey that's been taken says that only 10% get into God's Word daily. Now he goes on to say, don't let these grim statistics discourage you. Instead, 
resolve today to make it a priority to read and study God's Word. Make it a priority. The daily. Read. Study. Get into God's Word. Now, I helped you a little bit because we already did the prayer of Jabez. I put you into God's Word already, if you haven't already this morning. Now, maybe you don't do it in the morning. I'm doing it at the evening, right time, or nighttime, reading my word. But just get into it daily. It's very, very, very important. It brings life to you. It helps you understand what He wants you to do, and to follow Him, and to praise Him, and to exalt Him. Be faithful to hear and read the Word on, on Sunday in worship service be here and hear the Word. But it's way better, way better if you've already looked at the Word before you get here. Specifically even to look at the Word we're going to study today. It's in the bulletin for next week where we're going to be. It's in an email we send out to you. We try to get the information out there so that you can process it, you can look at it. God can show you things that are in there and then you can say, Pastor Scott, you didn't talk about this in that passage. You'll show me something new because God showed you something that was really important to you. It's important that you be faithful and to read the Word in Sunday school and in your small group. It's really important. Yes, I am making a plug, Sunday school and small group, to be a part of that. It's that valuable for your life. It'll add to what you are learning yourself. Here's what he said, the prayer. This is a beautiful prayer that this gentleman that, that wrote this. He's been writing for 30 years for this. And he mentions that in one of them. Listen to this prayer. For those who read your word daily, Lord, help us read with greater engagement. For those who read sporadically, Lord, give us a stronger craving for Scripture. And for those who rarely pick up a Bible, Lord, give us a curiosity. yourself in the Word every day. All these people that lived, all these people heard the Word of the Lord. We'll talk about some of the different responses. But how are you doing in that? Make time to hear and read the Word of the Lord each day. Well, here's the second thought that came to me. God is to be heard and read, but the Word of God is also to be honored and obeyed. The Word of God is to be honored and obeyed. Jeremiah honors the Word and he obeys God's Word. When God tells him, write it down. Here's my words. Let's get it in, let's get it in print. He honors the Lord in that, does what God asks him to do. Get the message out there. Tell them what the Lord says. Baruch honors and obeys the Word of God by doing what? He writes it down. Jeremiah says, I want you to communicate. I want you to write this down. And Baruch honors and he obeys the Word of God through Jeremiah that he writes it down for us. The 
people of Judah honor and obey the word of the Lord when they came together. He called them, said, proclaim a day of fasting. And the people came so that they could honor and obey the word of the Lord given through Baruch, through Jeremiah. Micaiah honors the word of the Lord by alerting the officials about it. He hears it, and he honors it, he takes it, and he goes to the officials and says something like this. It's not in the scripture, but he says something like that. This is really important. We need to listen to this. We need to make it a part of our lives. They take the word, and when they hear it, notice the response when these officials hear it. Verse 16, Baruch read it to them. When they heard all the words, they turned one to another in fear. Now, they they could have been afraid because what the words communicate is there's going to be impending judgment. They could have been afraid from that sense. But I think it also includes a sense of they understand this comes from the Lord and they have a fear of the Lord in that. Yeah, part of that fear of the Lord is there's going to be judgment if we don't repent. Okay, but that's also a good part of fear of the Lord. We recognize, oh, if we don't do what God wants us to do, there could be discipline coming our way. There could be judgment coming our way. And here they recognize, oh, this is their response to the word of the Lord, to to honor it and to seek to obey it in whatever they could do at this point. King Jehoiakim hears the same words and says in verse 24, Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments in repentance and in confession. Totally different response, I think, than what the people did, the officials did before that. Where they responded in fear, and I think a fear of the Lord. Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim has none of that. He's not afraid what the word says. He doesn't rend his garments in repentance. Doesn't confess his sin. He basically says, ah, you know, big deal. Who cares? God's not really going to do that to us. He cut the words of the scroll with a knife, and then he threw them into the fire, in the fire pot, until the whole scroll was consumed in the fire. The leaders encouraged him, don't do that. Don't do that. And he said, I have no regard for what God says. I have no regard for the words of the Lord. This is what I'm going to do. Now, you have to think through this a little bit. Jeremiah prophesies that Babylon's going to come and take over this kingdom. And I can guarantee you no king ever wants to hear that message. (laughs) No king ever wants to hear the message. Somebody else is going to come over here and they're going to take your throne and you're not going to be on it anymore. You can imagine that should stir up just a little bit of fear. Maybe just a little bit of fear of the Lord. Okay, Lord, I don't want that to happen. I want to follow you. And yet Jehoiakim says, nope, I don't want this word. I don't believe this word. I don't care about this word. I'm going to do what I want to do. And he cuts it up and throws it into the Now, what is the Lord's message to Jehoiakim? What's the Lord's message to the people of Israel? What's the Lord's message to all the people? Verse 3, that the house of Judah will hear the disaster that I intend to do to them, so that everyone may turn from his evil way, and that I may forgive the iniquity and their sin. 
Now this repent and turn away from your sin and turn to God. That's Jeremiah's message all through the book, all the chapters. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. Imagine, imagine you having to keep writing that down and have to communicate that to the people. That is a heavy load. That is a heavy, heavy load. Now, you got to just think about it. That, to me, sounds like a message that should be honored and obeyed. Turn from your sin and turn to me, and this is what I'll do. I'll forgive your sin. I'll bring blessing, blessing your way. You'll have my favor. That sounds like a pretty good message. Would you say amen to that? Jehoiakim wasn't interested in that. Not at all. Not at all. Even today, we recognize that the Lord's message to Jeremiah is not a popular message. <laughs> Even today, we recognize that the Lord's message through Jeremiah, repent, turn from your sin, is not a popular message in our day. It appears to me that our country, our state, even our city don't really want God to bless and therefore have not honored the word of God. As the word would tell us in these last days that we need to do the same, repent and turn from our evil way. And if we do, what's the result? His blessing, his forgiveness will be on us if we would do that and turn. Why does our country not want to submit to God's word. And I brought a knife with me. And I am not good with knives. And if I have three or four that are in my desk that belong to people here in the church, but they've never come and said they lost their knife here. This is one of them. But I, I think I think really, rather than using a knife, that's a little bit dangerous to a man like me. Um, I'm just going to use scissors. Bible's pretty beat up, so please don't take offense. But here's what Jehoiakim did. Don't take offense, okay? I don't like that I should have to put God first in my life. I don't like that. Or maybe he would say something like, um, I don't like that, that I... I I should put him first, and I shouldn't have any other desires that would go before him. I don't like that. I don't like that. Um, I, I shouldn't use words that that offend him. I just. I don't like that. So I'm just going to cut it out. Um, I, I don't like that. That I should give God my time, and that there there should be a Sabbath rest. Hmm. I don't like that I should um, honor my father and mother and take care of them. Hmm. I don't like that that uh, hmm, that God says that, that there's man and there's woman and that we should protect that and that's really important. Hmm. I don't I don't like that that God. Um, hmm. I just don't. I just don't like that. That I shouldn't cheat and steal. I, that I should be a person of integrity. You know, just whatever goes, whatever truth is going, that, that's good enough for me. Hmm. I don't. I don't like that. I shouldn't covet. You know, it's, it's not that big a deal. 
just to be able to take whatever I have and do whatever I want to do. And, and you know, I don't need to rejoice in what people have. Um, I, I, I don't like the fact that, that um, we should protect life in the womb and that we should not murder. Hmm. Did you maybe get the Ten Commandments in there? I just, yeah, I just, just went through them, right? And that's what our society, that's what our society is saying today, right? I don't like these things. So therefore, I'm going to cut them out. I'm not going to be a part of my life. It's fine to take them out of the Bible, because they really don't apply to me. And that's what our culture is doing. Just what Jehoiakim did. I don't like it, therefore I'm going to cut it out, and I would have burned it up here, but that would have been a little bit dangerous, okay? Now, we can rail against that. And we can say how terrible, but what about us as Christians? What part of his precious word are we cutting out? Because we don't like it. We don't want to follow it. I don't like the part about not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves. I'll just do church when it's convenient to me. That's a biblical command. Don't forsake the assembling together of yourself. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day of Christ coming. I don't like the part about fully giving my tithes and offerings. Go ahead, say preach it there, okay? Some of you have been robbing. You've been robbing the Lord with your tithes and offerings. It's time to get serious about it. His blessing is on you, if you will. Check out Malachi chapter 3. Try me in this. Test me in this. I don't like the part about being in community in a small group or Sunday school class. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. We're called to be in community. We're the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12. He calls us to be together and to help one another and to grow with one another and to care for one another. He calls us to that. I don't like the part about honoring my parents. I got something for the younger people here. God calls us to that. It's a command. I don't like the part about forgiving those who have hurt me. A biblical command, forgive those. I don't like the part about they're just men and women only. Men and women only. What God has created, male and female. And lastly, I don't like the part about the pastor challenging me with all these biblical commands. <laughs> Got to loosen it up somehow. We, we rail against the world and all these things, and yet we do the same thing. We cut out bits and pieces of the Bible we don't like because I don't like that. And God says, I have it there for a purpose. I want you to honor and I want you to obey my word. And if you will do that, I'll forgive your sin. And I will bless you. I will heal your land. Let's do what he says. Let's honor the word. And let's obey the word. Because there's great blessing in that. There's great help in that and what he wants to do for us. I'm shutting the
One commentator titles this chapter, Judah Rejects God's Word. The Lord sent his written word through Jeremiah and Baruch so that Judah would repent and avoid the consequences of their disobedience, which Jeremiah kept saying would be the destruction of Jerusalem and captivity in Babylon. We don't, we don't, he doesn't want you to do that just to avoid his judgment. He wants his blessing to be on his forgiveness of sin, eternal, abundant life for us, that we would obey the word of God and honor it, read it, and hear it so that he could have his blessing flow to us. Now, we know that hearing and reading the word is important. Of course we know that, right? But Jesus says that's not enough. He says we need to obey the word. What does it say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24? trying to think what it is, what is this, what is this, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He puts it all together and he says, the wise man is like the one who hears my words and then does them. Not just hears them, but does them. Jehoiakim heard the word, but he didn't do it. And he calls us as Christians to hear his word, to read his word, but then to honor and to obey it. For the one who does not hear my, the one who hears my words and does not do them is like the what? The foolish man who built his house upon the sand, and when the storms of life came, it crashed. But the one who hears my words and obeys my words and does my words, he's like a wise man who built his house upon the rock, upon Jesus and what he has for us. And when the storms of life come, he will be protected, and his house will stand firm. Men and women, Scott Bailey. Let's hear and read his word, but then let's honor it and let's obey it and do what he says. James chapter 1, says, Do not merely be hearers of the word, right? But be doers of the word so that you don't deceive yourself. Do what it says. So how are you doing in that area? We're all working on it, I understand. But as you put yourself in God's Word and He shows you these important things for your life, then let's do them because they bring blessing to us. They protect us. They provide for us in all that God has for us to do. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Make it a part of your life. Because I know this. The only thing more costly in obedience disobedience. It would have been costly for them to repent and turn from their sin in this day, yes. But think about what it would have brought to them. It would have saved them from going to Babylon and being in captivity. If they would have repented and done what he said. And your obedience could save you from God's discipline towards you and pile his blessing upon you. God's word is to be honored and obeyed. I better hurry up. It's taking a long time. It took a long time to cut all that stuff up there, I'm telling you. Last is the word of God is indestructible and eternal. The Lord's message is what for Jeremiah and his people? Turn from your evil way, repent, and I'll bless you. I'll give you forgiveness of sin. My presence will be with you in a very, very special way. King Jehoiakim said, I don't like the Lord's message, so I won't honor or obey the word of the Lord. 
He tried to get rid of the Word by cutting it up and burning it. I can tell you what, you can cut up the Word of God, you can burn it, you can throw it in the trash, you can shred it, you can stomp on it, you can smoke it. Remember the Gideon story? When the Word of God came from that prison, the guy got that Gideon Bible and he's using to smoke it or roll his cigarettes. Yeah, you can smoke it, but you can't get rid of it. It is indestructible and eternal. Here's what God says. Here's what Jesus says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. That's the Lord's. That's Jesus. God saying, this is not going away, folks. First Peter chapter 1. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains Forever, And this is the word, the good news that was preached to you. The Lord will make sure his word is preserved. And in this situation, he just has Jeremiah dictated again to Baruch. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And then what does he do? What does it say at the end of this chapter? And many similar words were added to them. <laughs> oh, you thought that was all I had for you? Let me just give you some more. If I could put it this way, some famous guy since said one time, I'll be back. Right? And that's what happens here. The Word of God, you can imagine Jehoiakim going, oh my goodness, it's back. The Word of God was back. Since the Bible is indestructible, it comes as no surprise that the Bible is the most translated and purchased, uh, purchased book in all of history. How many copies of the Bible do you have? I was going to count. I probably have 20 copies. How many copies of your favorite book do you have? One. Why? God's not so much concerned about preserving it, folks. He is concerned about preserving His Word. It will never go away. You can cut it up, stomp on it, smoke it, whatever, but it's not going away. Not at all. You may have heard this before. The French philosopher Voltaire, who was an atheist, hated the Word of God, said this. A hundred years from my death, the Bible will be a museum piece. That's his mansion right there. Not my new house, but that's his, that's his mansion. He said this, A hundred years from my death, the Bible will be a museum piece. A hundred years later, the French Bible Society set up its headquarters in Voltaire's old home in Paris. <laughs> oh yeah, the Bible's going away. Yeah, well, Voltaire went away, and the Bible went into his house. Yeah. God's going to preserve his word. So let's celebrate, as this one author says, as I was reading this. Let's celebrate the most popular but often unread book in the world. So since the Bible's indestructible and eternal, it makes sense to make it part of your daily life. It's not going away, so don't let it go away in your life. It's the living Word of God, so make it a part of your daily life. And this. I hope you wear out lots of Bibles. Wear it out. But I exhort you to never weary of its precious and powerful words.
Wear out your Bible. God's Word. But never weary of its precious and powerful words that will bring the Lord's life to your heart and soul. Make a new resolve today to get into the Word of God. And not just to get into it, but let the Word get into you so that you obey it. Because it's not going anywhere, but it's here for you. Father, we all struggle with priorities. I thank you for this lesson from Jeremiah 36. Lots of different ways you could approach it. I understand that. But the fact is the word was transported in no, numerous different ways, and different people responded to it. Some accepted it. Some rejected it. God, help us to be the people that accept it and honor you and obey it because it's good for us. It's what you've given to us that we would know what you want us to do with life. Give us a, give us a hunger for it, a desire for it, a craving for it to be a part of our life and then to live it out among the people that we're with. In Jesus' name. The B-I-B-L-E Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E Bible! That's how they sing it in our nursery group over there. These kids raise that little Gideon New Testament. Bible! Because we need to stand on it. One more time. The B-I-B-L-E Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E Bible. There you go. Thanks for being with us. Join us to study the Bible in Sunday school. You're dismissed.